0: the uh, scripture for the morning and I will be reading from the book of Matthew chapter seven and I will be starting in verse 13 and reading through um, verse 23 and if you are able to stand would you please stand for the reading of the word And for your information, I will be reading from the NIV version, um, once again from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, starting in verse 13. And it reads as follow. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. May God bless you all. May God add a special blessing to those who hear, read, and obey his word. Thank you.
1: Quite a text. Before I uh, dig into this morning's text, I just want to uh, welcome you myself. And also, I want to give you a brief uh, preview of our Advent series this year, which is going to start in two weeks, two weeks from today, and it's going to be called Anticipation. I really feel that God is stirring in our church, um, your testimonies, uh, the things that God is allowing us to get engaged in, and that uh, the Spirit is doing a fresh work in our congregation. So I'm anticipating as we come into. Uh, this Advent season, that we will be able to uh, expectantly prepare a place for Jesus in our hearts, in our families, in our homes, and uh, in our relationships. So each week we're going to do a theme, be like opening a Christmas card uh, hope, then faith, then joy, then peace. And then on Christmas Eve, our theme is going to be grace. And then on the last Sunday of the year, which will be our Family Blessing Sunday. Uh, our theme is going to be mercy. And so uh, during the season of Advent, uh, we've been praying and, and inviting everyone to jump into some disciplines that will encourage us and take us deeper into the story. Uh, December 1st is our tree lighting outreach. On December 2nd will be where we bring our gifts for the foster children that Katie just talked about. Uh... When we celebrate faith on December 9th, we'll have communion. Uh, Caroling on December 15th with uh, soup and chili immediately after. uh, Followed on Sunday by the theme of joy. Uh, The 23rd will be the theme of peace and we will celebrate communion. Uh, Grace during our chapel candlelight worship services in the other building down the road at 4.30, 5.30 and 6.30. And then on the last Sunday of the year... Family Blessing Service, uh, dealing with the promise of mercy to the generations out of Mary's Magnificat. Uh, The family reading uh, that we're recommending is that through each week in the the weeks of Advent, we read together as a family, Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, uh, each week. Just go through the story and let's immerse ourselves in the story of the coming of Messiah uh, the children 's Ministry will be uh, sending take home cards home to facilitate family conversation uh, between parents and kids, and then we 're also uh, asking that everyone fast one meal a week and don 't just fast to just blow through it but to actually spend uh, at least twenty minutes of that meal time in prayer, prayer for the coming of Christ, prayer for the coming of Christ into our lives, prayer for the return of Christ and prepare uh, praying for the advent of Christ into the lives of people we love who don't yet know Him. So let me go ahead and pray for that in our message this morning. Father, we anticipate eagerly this time of year as the hope of the Messiah dawns over the whole earth and it strikes people in profound ways and yet often they do not know uh, what it is about Christmas that gives them so much hope and peace and joy. And so, Lord, we ask that you open avenues for us to share, to invite, to make disciples. And, Lord, as we uh, zero in now on, on the text uh, from this morning on the Sermon on the Hill, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes and, uh, Lord, give us your heart um, for our loved ones and for the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. This text is uh, uh, really uh, an important uh, turning point towards the end of the sermon. God has been revealing the kingdom all the way through and has been uh, opening our eyes and our minds to the beauty of the kingdom, to the power of the kingdom, uh, to the relationships in the kingdom. And uh, this is such a beautiful and special thing that Jesus doesn't want us to miss a single thing. And so he's now going to tell us about kingdom counterfeits. He's going to tell us about the things that will get in the way of us truly understanding who he is and what the kingdom is about and the things that have been promised to us, who he says we are. We can call God our Father. We can seek him every day in prayer there's so much privilege in the kingdom of God, and yet he says there are there are counterfeits. These are false ideas, false people, false relationships, and false alternatives to the kingdom that Jesus wants to highlight, and he does so in three. Uh, in the first couple of verses, he says there are false paths that will be offered to you, that will be around you, and uh, Please don't take those. Then he says there are false prophets who will speak things that might sound okay on the surface but are not true and are not part of his kingdom message. And then thirdly, there are false disciples. There are those out there doing amazing things um, but they are not authorized. They are not his. And so it's a wonderful warning that he's going to give us. So let's look at each of those in turn. The false paths uh, that come up are wide, they're popular, and they look easy. It is uh, Christianity in three easy steps, or it is this other way of looking at the Bible, or this is this other route, um, but they are not, and all paths do not lead to God. And God wants us, go back to that one beforehand. He wants us to recognize that oftentimes following him means to be on a narrow path. And it's challenging. And we say that, and and he says the gate is narrow as well. The whole thing is narrow. Why is that? Well, it is humbling to admit that I'm lost or I've fallen into sin or I don't know the truth. Can you imagine if you post on your Facebook page Hey, I'm lost. Does somebody know the way? But that is actually what happened. Jesus saw the crowds and said... They're, they're, he had compassion on them because they, were, they, were, they had no shepherd and they were lost. They were lost. And it's hard. It's a hard path because it begins with the, the humbling of ourselves to coming before Christ to say, I am a sinner... I want to turn away from my sin. That is not fun. That's a hard step. It's a narrow gate. There's only one way to begin the journey and that's with Jesus on this narrow path. And this narrow path uh, the the enemies you can go to the next one but it's it's hard. And the world wants to say it's easy. It's it's lonely sometimes. The world wants to say follow the pack. But it's lonely at times. To be able to uh, turn from your sin means that there are activities and relationships and things that you have to leave behind. And it can feel lonely. And there, there are these paths that are wide and easy, promise the good life, but they actually lead to destruction. And there's a lot going on around the church now and in the church uh, that is attempting to erase hell. There are books. That are being written by. Supposed Christian leaders who are saying that everyone will ultimately be saved. And this is not the truth of scripture. I wish I wish it were. But it isn't. And it's because there are some who will refuse. To bend the knee to Jesus. And so. Uh, there's there 's another wicked lie out there that there 's a lot of paths. The Bible from the very beginning says there 's only two, and Jesus here is saying there 's only two a path to destruction and a path to life. but there is this uh, constant lie out that there 's another way there's a there's a there 's an in between we can be balanced we can be moderate christians we can be Uh, somewhere in the middle, part of the world and part of this. And there's mixture going on all over the place, and that is not the message that Jesus just gave us. And so, uh, from the ancient days, even 3,000 years ago, the first Psalm, verse 6, says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Jesus is repeating what has been true and 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 is quoting parts of the Old Testament here throughout the Sermon on the Mount that is reaffirming the things that have been true since the beginning. And Jesus has made it extremely clear for us. And uh, He said over and over again, and, and just in the Gospel of John, He says, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again, unless they enter in in that place of humiliation in the narrow gate, ask for forgiveness of their sin, uh, born again from heaven. There's no, there's no kingdom of God available to that person. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate for the sheep to enter in. I am the gate he's referring to on the, on the narrow road. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he gives a key clue. And he says, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commands. Keep my commands. So the first test that I want to offer up this morning for us to uh, be on this narrow path is the test of obedience. Because ultimately the wide path is the path that says, do what I want, do what feels good do what my emotions say to do. Uh, And Jesus says, no, actually the narrow path is one uh, where out of love for me, out of the joy of my kingdom, you will obey my commands. And so it's an invitation into obedience, which is what makes this path narrow. And that's why he's talking about doing the will of the Father. And that's why he teaches us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. So we pick the narrow path and we recognize it's not going to be easy. There will be suffering. There will be difficulty. uh, But the message of the world leads to destruction. The message of Jesus leads to life. The second thing he says is that the false prophets are out there telling The lies of these alternate ways. And they are the ones that are speaking these lies. And they are. uh, Wolves in sheep's clothing. Do we have that picture? They are wolves in sheep's clothing. (laughs) Outwardly. Outwardly they may look. Fine and normal. But inwardly. They are ferocious. The false prophets. Tell lies. Such as. There is no hell. uh, Such as. Uh. That you can do what you want. And this is not the message of Jesus. And so the, the false prophets, they look good outwardly, but inwardly they're ferocious. What makes them ferocious? Well, they have appetites, usually for money. They have a, a need for approval. Usually they are seeking fame. And finally they have ambition. They want to be great. And in all our parts of this, they are not always stereotypically nasty. Some are very sweet and have wonderful smiles. Some of them come across like loving people. um, But they're saying things that are not true. And Jesus uh, warns us about these. And he says, here's how you know their fruit is bad. Now that fruit could be their teaching... It could be the outcomes of their lives. It could be uh, what it's like to be with them. Sometimes you're with someone or you hear someone on television giving a message and you just have this sinking feeling. That's bad fruit. A message should encourage and fire us up. But if it's contrary to the word of God that's already been put in us, if it's contrary to the message of the kingdom that Jesus is saying, it doesn't, it doesn't land well. And so here's how we test uh, for these false prophets. We test their fruit. We test their fruit. What's it like to be with them? What's it like in their home? We were friends with an older couple many years ago who were involved in a ministry of a very famous Christian uh, supposedly Christian minister and uh, their, their lives were filled with fear. They were being controlled and manipulated and when they wanted to leave that ministry they received death threats. This is, this is the fruit of something that is not of God. Uh, the outcomes we look at if, if you see Christian ministry people flying around on private jets having multiple homes having wealth and fame, I, want, I just want to give you a real quick hint. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the kingdom of God. And so, by the way, God still uses them. God still uses them. He accomplishes His purposes despite their lostness, despite their falseness. He does use them. So don't be mistaken by... By a God who uses things that are not, that are not, of Him, because He's over all and in all and leader of all. So the fruit uh, is a very simple test. Galatians 5:22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, because against these things, nothing can stop these things. Nothing can stop these things. You can make a law not to preach the kingdom, but that won't stop the relentless work of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the fruit of love, joy, peace, etc. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, all the things that ensnare the false prophets, and since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Another aspect of the false prophets. And then thirdly, um, we have Jesus talks about false disciples. Do you have that picture? The, the false disciple uh, will, in the beginning, look pretty good. It's like this lone figure out here looking at the cosmos. They will talk about God a lot. They'll look real. They'll see God is great. They will talk about Him. They might even say sometimes He's the man upstairs. They would say uh, that He is great. God is great while they're killing people. Or they will describe him as all of those involved in Freemasonry do as the great architect of the universe. They even call him by the acronym G-A-O-T-U. Gautu. That's his name. But they don't know Jesus. They even find Jesus repulsive. Do you know if you look up his writings on the internet, you can find a founding father of our nation Thomas Jefferson who found Jesus and the people of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus repulsive they are big on God but, and, the, and the vastness of God but they are unwilling to see the possibility of a relationship with God that, that God became a human being That he came in the flesh. That he died for us. So that we could be saved. And they miss the main mark of a disciple. Which is that they know Jesus. So they speak often about the Lord. They'll do amazing things in his name. They will build clinics. They will build hospitals for burn victims. They will build great nations. They will do all kinds of things. But they are pursuing salvation by work and not by faith. They are, as Jesus says, evildoers. That's the the literal Greek there is workers of transgression. Workers of transgression. And they have no relationship with Jesus. In Acts 4 it says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I've put bold there to emphasize that. That's not in the scripture. But they'd been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them there was nothing they could say that word there ordinary men that translates the Greek idiotes idiotes and there are many who would consider us idiotes because we love Jesus but we know we've experienced intimacy with him and we know what he has done for us so test number three for false disciples, is do they have intimacy? Do they have intimacy with the Lord of the universe? Do they have intimacy with Jesus? And so this morning, Jesus is simply warning us, but he's also inviting us, isn't he? For the glory of the King, for the glory of the kingdom, he's inviting us into obedience. So there may be parts of our lives this morning where uh, we have not been obedient. And out of love for Christ, I pray the Holy Spirit touches us this morning and brings us into deeper obedience. Also, the test of fruit that we would be wise and know and know when we see and hear something false. But also, he's inviting us to pray and ask for more fruit. He says, if you abide in me, and stay connected to me. I'm going to prune off all the parts of you that aren't producing fruit. And I'm even going to prune off the part that are producing fruit. So you can produce more fruit. <clears throat> so we can ask for that. We can ask for that. And this last test of intimacy. Here's some signs of intimacy. There's, they're not all of them. But here's a few. A desire to learn about the beloved. Hears the beloved's whispers. Wants to respond and bless the beloved. Craves spending time alone with the beloved. Loves to praise the beloved's qualities. Now you who are married are hopefully picking up some tips here. But also the church is married to Jesus. This is, this is what it looks like to be intimate. Eager to resolve hurts and conflicts. And this last one delights to tell others about their beloved. This is just some of the signs of intimacy. And we can see it uh, as we interact with Jesus in our lives. He is inviting us in deeper this morning. To know Him. To know Him in fresh ways. So, brothers and sisters, there's only one path. It's a narrow path, and it's the path with Jesus. There's, there's only one prophetic message. And it's, it's about Jesus. The kingship of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus, which is what He's been preaching about <laughs> For the last 15 weeks, there's only one kingdom, and it's the kingdom of Jesus. The Jesus who came in the flesh, the Jesus who is fully human, the Jesus who lived a perfect life, the Jesus who went to the cross for his trouble and was brutally killed because of his message and his great love. And it was exactly as he planned. And that very same Jesus who is in the grave. That very same Jesus who walked out of the grave into resurrection life. That very same Jesus who ascended into heaven. Who sits at the right hand of the Father. And the very same Jesus who is coming back. And this is anticipation. This is expectancy. This is the invitation to obedience. To fruit. And... To intimacy with him. So the worship team is going to come up this morning. And as we reflect on this. um, It gives. I just think it gives us so much encouragement. To dwell on. To dwell on the narrow path. To dwell on. the, The true message of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. This is. This is where the true prophetic voice comes from. And all the power and all the kingdom and all the opportunities in front of us to bear more fruit. So this season, let's be that that beacon of obedience and fruit and intimacy with Christ. So this morning, as we just dwell in this place with Jesus... I want to invite you maybe you're here this morning and you've had some kind of an idea about walking with Christ you've had some sense that he's knocking on your door and somehow it popped open that among all the possible the possibilities in all of creation he's the one he's the true messiah then give your life to Christ this morning start a journey with him come and kneel at the kneel at the altar go to the prayer teams and ask Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and for eternal life. And He will grant that prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you want more fruit in your life. And it may be that the Spirit is not fully at work in your life. There may be sin in the way. Or there just may be unbelief in the way. But this morning, your, your heart is soaring. And you want more of this spirit of the kingdom in your life. And you want more fruit in your life. Do you know from last week, all you have to do is ask? Jesus said anybody who asks for the Holy Spirit will receive the Holy Spirit. So come and ask. Ask. And if you want intimacy and you're not not experiencing intimacy with Christ, again, brothers and sisters, just ask. Just ask. So Father, as we reflect and apply this text this morning, your precious words, Jesus, we ask for an I am statement, Lord, that you would remind us who you say we are. We... We ask for your leadership in an I will statement, Jesus. What is it that you're asking us to do today? In an I love statement, which is who can I share my beloved Jesus with this week? So Father, open up our hearts and let us have this time to dwell with you. In Jesus' name.